Are you carrying the fire? My what? Carrying the fire. You're kind of weirded out, aren't you, kid? Well, are you? Yeah, I'm carrying the fire. I can come with you. Yes, you can. <laughs> Welcome to Little Fires, a podcast that asks artists why. Getting to know Jay Hall has been something special. Ask any one of his many friends. It's easy to get wrapped up in the fold he creates. An artist, music producer, carpenter, and custom lighting aficionado, Jay has worn many hats on his now bald head. He cares a lot. I've had a unique vantage point in his circle. Many years ago, my band State and Madison toured with an amazing rock band from Kansas City called Life in Jersey. They're awesome. The World of Tomorrow Tour, we called it. While we spent time on the road living out some of our favorite memories, Carson, Jersey's singer, suggested we work with their producer, Jay Hall. I met Jay the night I saw his band, 100 Years War, open Life in Jersey's album release. If Helmet had more groove and was somehow angrier, that was 100 Years War. Think soundtrack to the apocalypse. That was 2007. Man, I'm happy that you're here. Thanks for coming over. This is a this is a treat. Sitting here with my friend Jay Hall, <sighs> producer, mixer, artist, one of my best friends in the whole world. Known yeah. him for 10, 10 years now, I think. Isn't it more? Is it ten? I think we started working with you after confession, which means that was like 2007. So, because you're not here and you're listening to the podcast, Jay just showed up to my house with um, a light fixture that he made. And I had no, no idea about it. He conspired with my wife. I did. To surprise me for my 33rd birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Dang, man. You want headphones? It's kind of fun. I don't know. Whatever. This stand has been mistreated. It was mistreated before I bought it, and I didn't know. Yeah. And I haven't been able to get back to complain about it. A couple audio nerds. Who am I? Yeah. Every okay, I got every done. single night, I did two things when I had to put that mic stand up. I thought, F- this mic stand. <laughs> and then I thought, F- the guy who did this to this mic stand. But that's and everybody. Then brought, and then brought it back to the store because it didn't work. Every time I see it, I think of you when someone just wrenches it yeah you're you're gonna have to go buy a new mic stand sometime soon soon that's yeah. the thing oh, 
gosh. I'm convinced if you spend money on a nice quality stand and you treat it properly by loosening everything up as you're adjusting it, it will last your entire career. It should. I'm convinced of that. And thus far, with my those really nice Tama stands I have, mm-hmm. I am proving this to be true. Yeah, one, of course. One of them I've had for close to nine years, and it has that it my has, vocal mic on it. Yeah, it, it still has works. My prized microphone. I don't <laughs> let the singers adjust it ever. I think I think I I'm, get to it first. You've seen, like, dude, you've been there. It was you or me all the time. <laughs> You see the singer step up to it and you hop up super quick to be the don't first one. It. Don't don't I'll don't do touch it. it. Don't, I'll do it. I'll do it. And they're always like <laughs> and they're every single time they're always like uh, I mean, I know how to adjust a mic stand and they're trying to be helpful. I understand that. They're just trying to take care of themselves and, you know. But or, I'm like or Nick forgot to turn around and don't touch and it. fix it for the short guy. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. That thing has that that thing works. It's going to continue to work. It's I'm it's it's going to work at a hundred percent functionality until I retire. <laughs> oh my gosh! Or until one of my kids decides to get into audio and they take it. Would you? Would you endorse that? No idea. <laughs> I don't. I do not endorse. I do not endorse the idea of my children following my same line of work. Well, you, you say it best, and you said it for a long time about music is art and art is hard. up in our wedding yeah i was a groomsman in your wedding that was awesome the first maybe the only time in my whole life i was actually punched in the face (laughs) (laughs) i punched you in the face so hard and the best part is we got a picture uh, of anybody listening if if you if this content even makes any it'll make it any portion of the podcast the the funny thing is people listening right now since we haven't even finished the story out is it has only been described as a punch so it seems <laughs> completely intentional I lo- I lo- jay punched <laughs> nick in the face at his wedding and that's like right out of the gate that's like that's, that's a, like that's a better story untold to hear, it's yes. a better story untold jay punched nick in the face at his wedding you're like what what it's like uh, nick got hit by a car what well no he he didn't it was I a, mean, it was a kid in a Fisher Price car. car. You know, like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, It's best to leave it at that. Only leaving it at that would betray the better part of the story. We had been dancing our butts off to our friends in Cuckoo Kangaroo, celebrating my wife Dan and I's recent wedding. Jay in full-on 100% Jay Hall mode, dancing around like a 14-year-old kid at a punk rock show, arms flailing about, turned around, and bam. And I looked at you, and you looked at me like, whoa, and I just started cackling. It was so f***ing funny to me. Me too. I missed you, dude. Like, I, we, yeah. we didn't hang out for a long time. I, I was working for you for three years, basically. Full-time. When, when I got here. More full, than full-time. Full, Holy crap. We were doing six, seven-day weeks. It was ridiculous. But that, to me, feels like full-time, you know? Like, that, to you, yeah, feels it, like full-time. Yeah. But I'm trying to change that. But, but we worked a lot. Like, a lot. we were six and seven-day weeks for probably double two years. Yes. 
and long days. We're yeah, those, not talking about like those you know, two years. Nine to five. We're talking about like nine to one a.m. You know, for the guy learning how to use beat detecting. <laughs> <laughs> that guy would be located over in your area oh of the my room. Gosh, I singular. Hated, I hated. I hated it so much. The tuplet beat detecting a tuplet. I would have gotten it eventually. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, but it when was... I had to text when I texted you at ten p.m. after you left at six, mm-hmm. and I'm still on the second song of five songs, and me saying you should have been you should home have been at home eight. now. Yeah, yeah, two hours ago, you should have had dinner with your wife and been watching a show. In the giant concept of making a record, is inside of the tiny little granular details, the nitty gritty, the stuff that isn't fun, the editing in the, in the managing of, we, we work in a piece of software called Pro Tools, the managing of the information in Pro Tools, like managing the record on the data mm-hmm. and the day-to-day level. I felt confident that I could teach you that skill in an incredibly efficient way to almost to the point where those details are like out of the way of the creative process. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident that that's, that is a huge portion of the way I make records in that the editing and all of that stuff, how important it is to the end product, I keep it out of the way of the artist. Mm-hmm. So I felt confident that I could teach you that. And the only way I could think of in my brain to teach it was to create an unbelievably high expectation and and stay right with you in the muck and the mire of raising you to the expectation. Mm-hmm. It's it's a teacher, boss's, mentor's job to communicate the expectation. It needs to be communicated. If you don't communicate the expectation, you're a dick. The awesome part about having worked for you is the the language you found in the middle to meet the artist. Yeah. As an artist, I mean you're you're an artist first. Like you've been in bands. You're yep. in one of my favorite bands ever. Thanks. Dana's Dana's uh, always said that you know the kids are going to know when to stay away from mom when she's listening to Uncle Jay. <laughs> That's true though. That's probably it's probably fair. But you found the language in be- in between being an artist and being an engineer which is a producer like i think that's the marriage right yes you're an artist i think that's a really good who, dis- who knows how to engineer a record skin peeler i want to talk about that because hmm. I sat here with Alan after we did drums and I said, put those f-ing headphones on. And we, it's one of my favorite things to do is sit and listen to a record with a friend and jump into it, you know? Yeah. And I just remember sitting here like, I just turned it on 10. You both sat here and listened to Skin Peel. Both in headphones. Yeah. And, and he hadn't heard it before. And didn't, and didn't speak. Just top to bottom, you listened to the whole record. Mm-hmm. And he had never heard it, not a note. And I just remember looking over at points and going, and he goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
the difficulty of doing is part of it because there's a moment when like I just don't have any more to give. Yeah, you're I can't no, scream and those, yell. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Jay's band Hundred Years War is uh, angry all the time, and that's that's all the, the time. That's why I love it. Like it's, but the lyrics, but the, but the lyrics on this one. I was just gonna say the lyrics on this one are. They come from a completely different place in the first record. And that's that's where the expansiveness of the second record began. Hmm. Was in the rehearsal space when we when we like, you know, demarked the moment of like Mike, the drummer, actually did it. We we all showed up to rehearsal one night, which was at his house in his basement. And, you know, we're in pulling Kansas our, City. Yeah, in Kansas City. This is in maybe very late two thousand eight. No, it's gonna be early oh nine. January or February you know we're just it's a typical rehearsal right you're like we all show up and we laugh and joke well, 100 years war maybe wasn't typical but <laughs> I don't want to get into that <laughs> So we showed up, you know, and you talk and you just kind of spitball and you catch up a little bit and you're pulling your instruments out and you're tuning up and powering amps up. Don't you, amps don't up. you miss that? I don't. I do. Oh Maybe. my gosh. Hundred Years War would be the only one I missed because we were good friends and we had a really good time. And I, I do miss those rehearsals because it was way more about having fun and being friends than it was about like, we had no desire to make it. We weren't like... That just all of that was removed. So we just got to write the coolest songs we were capable of writing and just have a good time. And you, that the moment where That's you guys get I, together and you demark like we're making a new record. Yeah. So we were pulling all of our instruments out and somebody, I think it was, I think Mike led the whole moment. I think he was like, what are we doing tonight? Which was not a thing we ever talked about. It was like, we're going to run the set. Like we're gonna pick apart the song. Like we're gonna play the songs to keep them fresh and tight. And we're gonna and we're gonna like anybody have any ideas? Which was usually on me to at least like I've got this riff and then and then every then we would just go. You know, Mike was like, "What are we doing tonight?" And I'm like, "Well, I, we're just rehearsing, right? We're, we're drinking beer. What we're are you drinking, talking about? We're drinking beer. We're playing really <laughs> angry music for three hours." And and I and I just remember Mike saying like are we writing another record or not? Like, it was just like, are, are we doing a thing or are, are now, are we just the old dudes drinking beer? Like, is there a point? He didn't say it like that. It was just like, are we writing or what are we writing for? Is really the idea. And it's like, that was the sentiment is like, what's the point and purpose of this exercise so we can all be on the same page? Mm. You and think so, that was the first time you guys were like on that page together? The focused on an idea? Yes, up till Page. then, we had all come out of these really serious bands that were like, oh, we're going to tour, we're going to make it. And it was all stupid. And, and that was the point of 100 Years War was to play music that most, uh, Augie had been in some heavy bands, but the other three of us had not. And that was the point is we were like, let's unapologetically rip off Helmet in our own way and let's 
drink a lot of beer and let's be friends and let's not be weird about it. And let's not try to be like a band that is serious. Like, let's just have fun. The only thing we took seriously was the music. So from that end, like we knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to write 10 songs and record them quickly without like a whole lot of effort. And we wanted to, you know, be tight and we wanted to put on a raucous, drunk, loud, angry live show. And we did all those things. So we did the thing that we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then in that one moment in early 2009, Mike was like, now what? Mm -hmm. Because all of us wanted to keep doing it. We were having fun. And that was one of the things we decided early as a band is like, when this is not fun for any one of us, when one person is not having fun, the whole, it's over. Like Mm -hmm. we're all just going to high five each other and be like, hey, that was awesome. Yeah, so that was that was one of the rules that we decided to have. We only had three rules. And one of them was that. Like when this is when if any of us take it too seriously, if anybody's not having fun, like it's over. Mm-hmm. So that was Mike's moment, like to throw it out into the room of four guys of like, now what? Mm-hmm. Like we've done the thing. Is ev- like is everybody still on this train? Like are we are we gonna do the thing again? Are we gonna make another record? And and so we all just kind of paused and like, you know, just pulling our instruments out. And ultimately the three of us or four collectively, we were like, let's keep going. Like, this is fun. Like we're, we're laughing and having a good time. And the shows are, the shows are fun and lots of people are coming to the shows. And so that's cool. And we're, I mean, it's still fun. And that was the rule. So I just said, what do you guys want to do? Like, what is, are we going to change? Are we going to, do we want to write songs differently? Do we like what's happening? And Mike just said, two things happened in that moment that created, in my mind, why the second record is way more expansive than the first. So finally getting to the point of your question. Um, <clears throat> two things happened in that moment. I said, what do we want to do? And Mike said, I want... I want the record to have more groove than the first record and I want it to be heavier than the first record. And the other three of us were like, how? How? that I wanted to co-write with you is I wanted you to sing the choruses and I didn't want to write those lyrics or the that melody until you and I got to do it together. Mm-hmm. And 
there's a lyric in that bridge i think that like you really grabbed onto i was stoked on that because that song might that song might be one of the hardest ones it was for me to like to like to talk about that stuff about myself and that bridge i always feel like in the lyrics of a song there needs to be there needs to be like one moment where like if nothing else existed lyrically there needs to be that one line that is like that that you just you're just straight out telling the listener what the song is about you're just saying it and it, the bridge of that song is that moment and it's the one that you were like oh bro i'm like ah oh, it worked it worked the song slithers to me like it sounds like slithering like this black goo you know <laughs> just kind of rearing its head i love i love listening to that record like there's so many moments of like the fun that i can i can imagine you have had collaborating with other vocalists on your art like that's it that's was incredibly fun. you have to be naked in that moment like, yeah it was fun to bring people in um but when you yeah when you said the bloodletting thing it made me think of the very first song we wrote for the second record uh is a song it's it's the title track to the record but that was not its original title i had envisioned the record i had envisioned the record slightly differently and so the song is skin peeler we wrote it. It was the first song we wrote for the new record. I originally entitled it Ecstatic, The Poison. Mm -hmm. Ecstatic with a semicolon. Mm -hmm. So, like, ecstatic is the poison, mm -hmm. right? If you follow that gr grammar. I know mm -hmm. you do, but I have to describe it <laughs> on the microphone. So, Ecstatic, The Poison. And to me, the song was a general concept of, like, we're all materialistic. And... I don't want to be, and I think that I'm not, but I am, right? So when you're self-analyzing as like a Fugazi, you know, Washington DC punk rock kid, it's like all this like material is like, don't, you are not what you own is a huge Fugazi. Check out my patches. Right? Yeah. So funny. So <laughs> check out these patches I own. <laughs> I'm not what I own. Look at my patches. Only 10 made. Only 10. Yeah. <laughs> So I originally, we, I started that song to talk about my, my materialism. And the funny thing about the first song we wrote, which set up the whole motion of the record is, it's the last song I wrote lyrically. I threw, oh, the, ly really? I threw the lyrics away and started, I started over. I threw those lyrics away. I collaborated on the chorus of that song with Scott Gold from Madam mm -hmm. Adam in Charleston. And I did the same thing with him. I brought him in just for the chorus. So I already had the rewrite done and I had already cut it. But when I was staring at that song, I was getting ready to cut the vocals and I decided to throw it away because I just thought, man, talking about my, my materialism is obvious. Like all the rest of the songs in this record are like, I mean, it's deeply intimate. Mm -hmm. It's super vulnerable. I mean, I'm talking about stuff about myself that... I don't think anybody would be willing to admit, mm. even on their worst day. When it's like relaxing that last bone in your body. Yeah, and I just thought all like this... when you're laying on the inversion table, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, and you, it's, you got to concentrate, and you have to trust. You have to trust. Yeah, you have to trust yourself and the equipment. And the right? equipment. <laughs> so I was staring at it, and ecstatic. The poison was the title of the record. So 
all of a sudden I'm like, man, materialism is dumb. Like, it's such a 101 place to go. Of course I'm materialistic. We're all materialistic. There's nothing for me to shed. There's no vulnerability in this. This is a bullshit topic, right? It is. Uh, Jay's going to sing about his materialism. Well, fuck, man. Of course you're materialistic. You buy shit and you attach your identity to it. Like, I've got a white iPhone. I'm special. <laughs> You've got the black one. I have the white one. <laughs> right. I'm different than you. Right? O so only, it, only a million so mid. I'm standing there in front of the microphone and I'm holding the lyrics in my hand and just all of a sudden it just washed over me and I'm like, this is dumb. And I'm really proud of the record. Like, I can't let a dumb moment go. So I just sat down and I just thought, I just thought, well, what is this song? And I, my brain just went, it's the first one we wrote. And I said, well, then this one has to be the one. This has to be the point for the entire film, right? For the entire record. This is it. And then all, like right away, like in that line of thought, I just wrote the first line. And the first, uh, and which uh, is to the, you're like, isn't start there by more? peeling off my, all my skin, that one? So I didn't have the title. I scribbled out Ecstatic the Poison. And now I'm like, I don't even know what the record's called. That was the title of the record. That was the song. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I just said, and like, that's when it came into my head. I was just like, I don't even know where to begin. And I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. I don't know where to begin. I'll start by peeling off all my skin. It's the best. A lot, like... So to me, that I was love, the... I love that you catch yourself bullshitting yourself. Like, yeah. I, I'm not... This is not exaggerating. Like, I will, on occasion, by myself, tell myself, don't bullshit me right now. Yeah, don't bullshit me. Like, writing these words down, trying too hard. Just trying too hard. Yeah, just try, you know? just, just write it down. <laughs> Whatever the thing is happening right now. You're trying to be so... Relax that last bone in your body and talk about... I'm tired. I'm tired. I'll talk about I'm, gonna, I'm trying the best I can. Like those are the things that that bind us. Those yeah. those feelings, you know. So that last moment that last moment for me was that was I was like I'm like I don't even really know how to put this record in front of people. Like I don't know where to begin. I don't how do you even tell anybody what what it is? And that's why I'm like I'm literally like this record is beyond standing in front of somebody naked. Mm. It's past that for me. It's like soul level. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm, if I'm going to stand up on Essence stage. Essence of Jay. Yeah. If I'm going to stand. Yeah. By Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm gonna> stand, <laughs> <laughs> so much funny in that. I, if I'm going to stand on stage naked to me in front of an audience of people, to me that, that, that's the like, singing the song about materialism. That's just one-on-one. Like, okay, well, I mean, there's Jay. He's, you know, got a little bit of a beer gut and, you know, whatever. There he is naked. But Skin Peeler as a record is beyond that. So that's where I took the song's metaphor. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if you, what's beyond that? I mean, it's just my, it's my bones what's, what's and the, my what's muscles. What's the line, and, the hive, the place I reside? I fucking love that image, dude. When you squirrel up in there and you still can't find it, and yeah. it's you never going to find it. Yeah, that so there's a big long break of silence in that song which was designed by the four of us to be this awkward like I've never heard a heavy band. None of us have, which is why we did it. Just vocal only. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, it's right? Awesome. 
And it's not like, yeah, there's been, there's been tons of, you know, heavy rock bands that it's like band stops for an instant singer screams, like, like, like it's super short. What we wanted to do is we wanted to create nearly, if not an entire verse, that's you just getting yelled at. (laughs) I mean, that's it, right? I mean, I mean, I'm talking like digital black silence. There's no drum beat. There's no amp hum. There's nothing for an excruciatingly long moment of time. So in Ecstatic, The Poison, that was the moment I, when, when it was that version of the song, that was the moment I was taking to just like reveal all the materialism. And so when I sat down to like re-script the song as Skin Peeler, I looked at it as like what I said earlier is I think that there's a moment in every song where you should just get to it, just cut to the quick. Mm-hmm. So I looked at it as like, if I'm going to tell you that this entire record is about the depths of my black heart, what better moment than entire silence for me to yell it at you? Here's the spotlight, young man. There's the mic. Yeah. Go to town. Right. Yeah. So that lyric you're talking about is actually coming out of the silence when the band re-enters. And then I, I backtrack lyrically to like point out the fact that all of this stuff is me. Mm. Like all the things I'm describing and all the, like the wickedness and all of it. It's it's the person telling you the story. I love that you've broken it out into separate versions. Like the the lyrics start describing versions of you that you don't know are you, but then when you look closer, it's like, oh, it's just Jay with a mustache. <laughs> yeah. It's just Jay with hair. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Pride, my eyes are blind. They lied, my tongue is lead. It's dead, my ears are running holes. They filter the noise to my head. The hive, the place I reside. Further up, further in. I'll dig it out, I'll pull it up, I'll get it back. What I did when I started mapping out the album lyrically was I needed to take topics, I needed to do the self-reflection and write down what those things were. Uh, oftentimes it was the big, the big idea. Yeah, of like the, I, the umbrella for which you. I know that I do this thing, and it's gross. And oftentimes, if I ever let anybody look at the book that I wrote, Ugh. and I, that's um, it's like Heath Ledger's. Joker book. Joker book. It's probably less than that, but it's still pretty creepy. Um, I would write, sometimes it would be a, sometimes it would just be one word. It would be greed. Sometimes it would just be, it would be a paragraph. I would start writing about my perception of the behavior so I could figure out like, like what the singular topic is. Like, do I want it to be like something simple like greed or do I want it to like really be detailed and nuanced? Like, it's your brain dumping, just whatever the. So I had to start creating characters of me Mm -hmm. because I'm like well how do I sing about this guy or how do I sing about like it made more sense to me to compartmentalize it as like a like one thing because if you try to write the record has nine songs I I really wanted it to be ten I I just couldn't emotionally do it so uh, so nine songs how do you write nine songs that are really all about you like I needed them to be like singular Mm -hmm. things right I I didn't want to if I'm writing a song about how greedy I can be, I didn't want to blur the greed 
thing with with, emotional a, with stuff a, with or a like selfishness yeah, yeah. or yeah. one of the other songs. I didn't want to trip and fall into other content. Yeah. So I just, in my mind, I was like, that's Jay with a mustache. That's Jay with hair. <laughs> I've now had like so many different vantage points for how you make music, <laughs> you know? Like this was one of my favorite episodes to get to to create because the tendrils in my life that you've inserted is just it's so vast and i'm so grateful for your friendship yeah dude like for your time and for the light that you brought to my house for happy birthday birthday, i built you a light fixture it's sick it's sick i can't wait to put pictures on the internet and show people what you're doing uh uh j-hall.net for everything uh production and music related for jay We'll be back soon with another episode for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again. Next time on Little Fires, we dive deep with my friend David Raymond of the band Hidden Hospitals to discuss their new LP, Liars. I can tell people that about Jay because all I need to say is like, I've worked with him four times, five times, and there's never been a time, there never will be a time that he's done until it's finished and it's right.